Welcome to it, lads. This is APX, and a warm welcome to all for tuning in. My name is Chris Nell. My guest today is a man of great integrity, immense charisma, as well as a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, better than a master of one. Dr. Rob Kelly talks about his past and it informing his current work in the recovery world and beyond. Apart from being a professional savior-in-waiting, he is above all a loving father and husband. So, without warning, I give to you the Gordon Ramsay of the recovery world. Rob Kelly roams free as the apex predator. Texas. This is the latest edition of the Apex Predator, a talk program helping to build better men today so we can lead a better generation for tomorrow. The opening of this is simple. I want to present you, either the listener or the viewer, a simple question. We all know about the dark side, don't we? And much like the Tao, the yin-yang, whatever side of the hemisphere that you feed, ultimately at the end of the day, that is what is going to come out. It's been the subject of numerous amounts of literature. Uh, it was the focal point of acting coaches Lee Strasberg, Uta Hagen, and Sanford Meisner. But here's something that's not being talked about. But before I get to that, the dark <coughs> side is what we as addicts know very well. The question I'm about to get to, there's a great book written in 2013 by one Tim Grover, the peak performance coach who trained names like Dwayne Wade, the late Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. In a chapter, he says, if you were to take your dark side and flip it on its head, you have the ability to build a versatility all your own. And the best part is you can have your own unique fingerprint on it. But now the big question plays out on the forehead. How do we get there? Therefore, I brought the famed Dr. Rob Kelly with me. Dr. Rob Kelly is a man of many talents. He holds a dual doctorate in both psychology and behavioral science from Oxford and the University of Southampton. But his academics don't just stop there. He's completed multiple COCs in namely NLP, life coaching, somatic experience, and brain spotting. And plus also, he has been profiled in and been the author of numerous articles, as well as being the author of the somber and yet uplifting book, Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. Like myself, he's also a veteran media personality on both TV and radio. And if I can add my own few Bob into this, a man who paid for his mistakes in earnest and in full. Dr. Kelly joins me to talk about his dark side 
his own fingerprint, and plus also the fields of neuroscience and many other suspects, aspects rather, related to Dr. Kelly. It's been too long. Thank you, Chris. It has been too long, actually. When I, I saw your name under the podcast yesterday, because I get my day the, the day before, and I was, oh my goodness, Chris, oh my God, I couldn't wait. So you've been on my highlighted calendar for today, my good man, so thank you for having me on. Mate, it's a pleasure. Now, let's begin at the very beginning. Tell me about your dark side, how it all started, and ultimately what brought you to your knees. It first started for me um, on stage at the age of nine, um, taking, taking my first trick, is where it all started. I'll never forget the time, the date, the place, the moment. Um, and I think most alcoholics and drug addicts do that. If you ask somebody else, what was you doing at the age of nine in January? I have no idea. I remember that, and uh, it, it, when I took the drink, it, the world changed. Actually, changed in front of me. So uh, that's where it started for me. Although I tried to live a normal life, um, schooling and stuff like that, it was brought upon on uh, the council estates, uh, American guys, the projects, and council paid, government paid housing. Um, and I always wanted to be something different. I didn't. I know I didn't want to grow up and live on on, on a council estate. My brother and sister were happy doing that, but. I just knew I was meant for more. And then now studying the neuroscience of the last 10 years, realized why. But back in the day, obviously, I didn't know. So, um, yeah, I went through life and uh, the drinking became, you know, weekend because I was playing. And, of course, all through uh, secondary school, high school in the U.S. And then I was lucky enough, not on my own merit. And I want to point this out. I wish I could tell you it was this clever. I wasn't at the time. So uh, through freak of accident, because I play musical instruments, uh, I had you a friend. You played Abbey Road? I did, yeah. I've, I've with Beatlemania started? Yeah, I, I played with Bowie, David, David uh, Bowie, uh, Queen, Elm John, in, on different sessions. Uh, met, met them at obviously certain times. But what I like to get over today is alcoholics and addicts have the amazing brain. Alcoholics are born differently, three parts of the brain. But once that's, once that's overcome, we're either all or nothing. Guys, we're either pregnant or we're not kind of thing. It's like I do things to the excess. If I, like I've never played basketball, Chris. And the other day somebody says, let's go play basketball. Never played it. Well, come and learn. Nope, never played it. Don't want to learn. I know I'm going to be no good at it. So I kind of <laughs> overperform. So that's why I get in these crazy places. Which I've got to put in now. When I met my wife nine years ago, she listened to this story and she's like, mm. I knew she was thinking, this, ah, I don't know too much. And then she followed me around when I, when I met, you know, people from the government, the president, the TV, eight, nine million people watching me, you know, when I went to Harvard University and, and did a paper for their psych hospital. It was just like, she's like, oh my God, you're crazy. It's like, mm. well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Alcoholics and addicts, only people in the world that get two lives in one lifetime. I'm Always. not going to mess the second one up. You know, I'm going to do everything and anything I can. Every opportunity, I will take it. And God forbid if I was to pass away tomorrow, Chris, I could honestly say that I've done everything. I've said everything. I got my daughter back, um, as you know. And, uh, you know, life is good. But one of the messages I always preach is we haven't got time, guys. Everybody thinks they have time. Well, I do it tomorrow. I'll have to get all out by that car, start a business. You don't have time. And if you no. think as parents, two minutes ago, you're taking your, your kid to uh, kindergarten, you know, to infant school. 
and all of a sudden you wave them off to college. That's what time is, you know? Very much. And I have to agree with you on that. I just turned 31 last week. And I tell you, now more than ever, I want to make the best of time. More time than anything. Now, you've spoken about your dark side and you've just proven what I said in the intro. You've built a versatility all your own. Now, with that, you're a born student and academic, but yet you've created this. And this is my perception of you since the last time we spoke in the previous show. Even though you're the foremost authority in the collective field of addiction, going so far as being called the Gordon Ramsay of the addiction world, you absorb new methods and knowledge to apply. Why exactly? I always want to be learning. One of the things when I started on this journey, because it wasn't in college, it was many years later after I came off the streets, um, I knew there was more to learn about this, this area, of the brain, neuroscience, uh, addiction, um, so one of the things I like to think is I like to think I'm still open and I'm still teachable because it was only a year ago when I, when I heard this brain spotting that had just come out. So I had to get qualified in that because I don't think, in fact, I know, and I only specialize in addiction of the brain. I don't know, you know, the psychology maybe, but I'm not deep into, you know, what the brain actually does and, and everything that it's capable of doing, just a mind of certain parts of the brain. But I know there's more. And with the tests and trials that we've done, especially around the mind, it's absolutely mind-blowing what we can achieve. And, and, and you know, with 8,000 patients and, you know, almost 30 years under my belt, I can honestly stand up. And I had a hard time doing this, Chris, because when I started to teach and talk like this, the medical fraternity laughed at me um, and it would take no notice. And it was really hard for me to break through. And then all of a sudden, people were getting well and they started listening to us and now, of course, I'm speaking in all the best universities and TVs and white papers that I've just wrote. So if something else come out tomorrow, then I'd want to know about it because I think I'm going to be learning for the rest of my life. And I think that's what makes, and again, I'll never say this until about five years ago, makes me special, makes me one of them key people that know exactly what we're suffering from and exactly not only how to get around it, but exactly how to clear up childhood trauma, and exactly how to go on and better your life. Just a companion question to that. It's just something that just struck me. Would you say that you're still a university, uh, that you're still a student of the University of Life? I love that, Chris. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have a T-shirt and send that to you. Yes, yes, and yes. Of course, I love that. Yeah, I just love learning. I love talking to people. I love helping people. You know, as you know, we give, we give a lot of money, six figures away every year back into communities that, that struggle, just like I was. So always learning, always happy to speak to people, which always makes me laugh because when somebody calls the office and I'm passing the phone, I pick the phone and they go, I'd, I'd love to get a message to Dr. Ron. I go, it's me. I go, wow, oh my, oh my. <laughs> I will never stop being me. You know, I don't care how much money, fame, everything we have. I'm still that guy that gave up his kids for alcohol, guys. And I'll always be that guy. I'm the guy that, I'm like a chameleon. I can, I can, I can talk to you if you're on the, in the boardroom. I can talk to you if you're on the factory floor. And passion is either side. And I just think, corny, Chris, what I'm going to say. Everyone should start just loving each other. Everyone think, everyone's worried about how they look, what they, nobody cares, guys. Everyone's got their own problems. So a quick hello, nice sneakers. Hey, man, beautiful hair. It changes people's lives, I'm telling you. Absolutely. And it's the psychology that I tried uh, 
not with any measure of success, I should say, when I was still a broadcaster myself in my native South Africa, but treating people like people. I mean, you're a high-profile personality, and I want to also mention to our audiences that Dr. <coughs> Kelly here is also the founder proprietor of the ever-famed Rob Kelly Recovery Group with branches all over Texas and surrounds, and plus also overseas, and have done groundbreaking work in helping in not only uh, recovery from addiction, but also recovery coaching, which we'll be covering in this interview still. But you mentioned something early in your speech, which is a wonderful segue, and I say this with trepidation, and here's why. The field of neuroscience, it's been a burgeoning concept from start to finish. It has aroused both interest and reticence. How exactly did it spark your interest in the first place? There was mental illness in my family, first of all. And again, you know, I'm an alcoholic, where do I go? Doctor says, I've no idea, just try and stop drinking. So neuroscience, I always knew was the key, but it was in its infancy when I started to look into it. So I've always been intrigued. You know, you hear people, you know, when the child is, you know, not run over by, hit by a car and underneath crying, how one woman or man can lift a car. And I was like, wow, is that pure strength? So that's what got me into it. And the more I got into it, the more I was intrigued of what the normal person doesn't know about addiction pertaining to neuroscience and what the effect it has on our brain and central nervous system, therefore our persona and our mind, <coughs> separate from the brain. Uh, so that, that intrigued me. And, and I'm still learning today, of course, like we just said, but I'm fascinated with the subject. I'm fascinated how I can change somebody's day within four words. I'm fascinated how when you believe in someone, they start to believe in themselves and amazing things happens. I'm fascinated about how I've got the rest of my life back to where it is today. And now I love watching people get their lives back. I mean, and it all comes down to the neuroscience around addiction. When, I, when we did our test, nobody knew about the basal ganglia or the hypothalamus or the amygdala, the part it played in addiction and alcoholism. And the more I learned, the more I was intrigued. Mm, I hear you. But something else I want to add as well while you're talking. The mind, what is the most important organ in the body? Just quickly. Heart, lungs, liver, kidney, the back door, the reproductive organ. What did I leave out? The human mind. It's the most uh, underrated organ in yes. the system. Yes. Now, the mind, I believe, also has, and I think neuroscience also kicks into this, and I'll get to my point in a moment, also has the ability to emit waves like a computer does. Yes. And I read a story which played out in the Second World War about two PFCs who were on their way back to base whilst stationed in Australia. This was in the 1940s when Pearl Harbor was bombed by Japan. An airstrike happens. <clears throat> the next moment, an uh, air-to-surface missile heads towards their jeep. Thankfully, with the occurring blast, the two PFCs are blown away from the wreckage and they can find their way to a foxhole amidst the carnage. Afterward, everything is said and done. One of the troops gets up and heads toward the wreckage of what was their jeep. Here's the best part. An erect piece of steel is emitted in the driver's seat, but it has his father's name written on the steel. Oh my goodness. What had happened was, is years before the war, his father had junked an old Chevy and in those days, Japan was a huge manufacturer of steel components. And when the war had begun, his father's parts of his car was used to make that missile that could have taken his son's life. Yeah. But 
It was a missile that refused to go off. And I think it was because of the fact that his son was off at war, that his father kept thinking about it, that somewhere in the spiritual, that missile refused to go off. That's how I think, how advanced the brain can become through neuroscience. Your thoughts on that? Perfect. Well said, Chris, as usual. Well said. Um, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it literally is mind-blowing what we're capable of doing and the energy that we can create with other people. I can personally tell you probably a hundred stories that's happened to me like that. And after a certain while, you start to think, you know, is this coincidence? You know, something's happening here. But yeah, definitely. I mean, we, the, the mind gives out energy um to other people radio waves and this is what you find in life you know if you're trying to better yourself your frequency goes up and the guys at this frequency can no longer speak to you or, or really understand you then you get these guys here you want to attain to but you're not really there and you go up the frequency again with a spiritual journey and, and the power of the mind and you're on the same but you can't really communicate with these you can help them as much as possible but we go through these frequencies have you ever met somebody, guys, and uh, maybe at school, college, or work, and you just like them? I don't know why. You're just like, oh, this guy's a cool guy. That's 50 guys in the room. That's, that's the, that's the well, it's a mirroring part of the brain, but first of all. But it's the energy connecting. This is why when we look at childhood trauma and we look at the energy we take out of the dysfunctional house, how often the, the, the girl who goes through her teens and into adult life will attract what's happened in the house. So if that was an alcoholic that beat mom, the girl will attract an alcoholic that beats her because the energy is connected to the fact that if she happens to stumble into a nice relationship that the guy treats her really good, she will self-sabotage that relationship because it feels uncomfortable. So the energy, we attract what we think we are worth, number one, and childhood learning, childhood behavior. So anything less than nurturing as a child is child abuse. When you look at the actual quantum and you look at the actual uh, distance from there to there and you look at the energy produced in between, you can correlate this happened or happening now and this happened here. So the mind is just full of power and strength. And I'm sure you'll agree with me here, Chris. Um, you know, the, the spiritual awakening, the, the spiritual relationship that you have, Uncle Jimmy, God, you know, universe, whatever it is, I honestly think, in my opinion, that it's vital. So we did studies on that. Mm. When the brain is rewired, when the neural pathways are changed to positive neural pathways, and you have a relationship with something greater than you, your DNA changes. It changes ever so slightly, but it changes. And why is that important? Well, it's important because of this, that you're not the same person as you was, you know, like our program, for instance, when you leave, you're not the same person, your DNA has changed. So then we went further and we found out that the, you know, where the butterfly comes from, the chrysalis on the ground, all muddy and horrible. When it breaks through and this beautiful butterfly flies out, it's the only creature in the world where the DNA doesn't match between the butterfly and the chrysalis. It's the same when you rewire brains and you get that spiritual relationship, our DNA changes. There's no match between the old person and the new person psychologically, spiritually, neuroscience-wise, um, quantum physics. They all talk about this. And I think that the guys that stay where they are and think this is just life, humdrum every single day doing the same old thing are stuck there because of learned behavior. And the guys that come away from that are brave because they've done their own work and they want to change. If you, if you don't want to change, we can't change you. Let's make that clear. 100% Chris, I love that. 
On that note, a companion question. What does the words rewire the brain mean to you? Redirect neural pathways away from self-sabotage to self-care. Most alcoholics and addicts, well, first of all, real quick, alcoholics are born with a basal ganglia and the hypothalamus different to any other brain. Okay? Now, drug addiction is different. We're all put it the same. Actually, it's not. There's a fine difference. The drug, drug addict has addictive personality that will take drugs that will go on to be addicted. Alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. So when, we, when the hypothalamus, uh, which tells normal people, like it tells babies from birth that we need to eat, it doesn't know, but things down its mouth, crying when it's hungry and needs to drink water to survive. And we carry that till the day we die. What happens with the alcoholic is during our drinking career, when we drop into that, you know, alcoholic drinking, that disease part of the, the brain and the illness, the hypothalamus turns around and tells the alcoholic to drink alcohol only. That's why it's a disease. Not only is a, is a neurochemical change, there's also a biological change when I drink alcohol because I'm allergic. This is where the allergy comes from with no other addiction, just alcoholism. I'm allergic to the ethanol in alcohol. And that sets off the ball until I just drink alcohol and then I die if I don't get any treatment. So, yeah, I, I love I love the neuroscience behind it and I love the change in neuroplasticity. It's called the changing of the neural pathways or rewire the brain. 100% true, 100% moldable. The medical fraternity only found out about 10, 12 years ago. We can we knew that it was moldable. We knew that we could change people. So we, we've done loads of experiments. How do you change somebody's mind who's stuck in their own mindset? We had a Texas cowboy come to our offices in Dallas, and he wanted to know if we could change his mind to good. So we, we see him for a month. Every day he'd come in, proud Texan. What do you want to drink? Dr. Pepper. Oh, good old Texas drink. Every single day, three or four times a day, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper. One day he comes in, I said, can we take you for a ride? My driver wants to take you for a ride. Yes, don't talk to him, just go for a ride, see Dallas. And uh, off he did. On the way down in the elevator, there was a can of Coke that was empty, kind of tilted in the corner of the elevator. As he comes off, two of my guys that I'd hired from another office were sat there, both drinking Coke, just chatting away as he subliminally walked past them. We got him in the car. We drove him around three or four billboards with Coca-Cola advertisements on them. Never pointed them out, Chris. Not just at all. quietly drove past them. We come back. There's a girl, really pretty girl, sat on the bench outside the door of the office, and she was drinking Coca-Cola. He gets in the elevator. Now we have a poster that we've taped to the inside of the elevator. He walked up, he walked in the office, and my girl said, what do you want to drink? And he said, give me a Coca-Cola. Boom. That's me. It's simply that easy. <laughs> yes. I'm flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. There's a great book out there as well, guys, if you want to read it. It's called Am I the Placebo? Oh, it's mind-blowing what this can do. It's, it's mind-blowing. So let me tell you real quick. There was a surgeon in Japan. I think it was Japan or China. And uh, he famous surgeon, knee surgeon. And he, he said he would treat 10 people and free of charge, knee replacement. The only problem is two of them would be placebo. They wouldn't touch them. And they took the tenant, but they cut the knee of the two patients that they never did into, and they sold it up straight away. After about a month, the two guys that were placebo was walking great, no pain injury. Two of the guys that had the operation still complained of knee, and the rest were fine. 
But the two placebo guys, just because they cut the knee, told the mind that they were healed. So off they went with a normal life. And we've done loads of testing behind this. It's like, you know, you go to the doctors and, you know, you kind of feel a bit ill, but you're okay. You walk into the doctor, he gives you some bad news. You walk out of that doctor's office, doomed. Everything has just changed from a 30-second conversation. Nothing's changed physically, psychologically. You know, when you walk in, you say, I've got a little pain here. He tells you that it's an ulcer. You walk out feeling as if you have an ulcer because somebody's just told you of high esteem in the medical fraternity that he's sure you do have an ulcer. So what we see is how we feel. Watch a sad movie, you feel sad. What we hear, childhood trauma, what we hear is what we believe. You see, children are born with two fears only, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. The rest mm. of man, wait till your father gets home. Oh my God, I told you, you can't go to college. It's BS, guys, don't listen to it. Absolutely. But now I want to continue on that path with what you were speaking on the benefits of moving beyond addiction and neuroscience. I said this to you on the last show that you and I met, uh, did together. It's been astonishing to see how former addicts can thrive in life, arts, academia, athletics. Do you think it's because of constantly living and being in the solution that's gotten them that results? Uh, twofold with that. Great question, Chris. Uh, first of all, addicts and alcoholics that clear the three parts of the brain that differ are absolute geniuses. End of story. That's what I say. But also live in this new life. If someone tells you from birth or childhood, infancy, that you're not, never going to amount to anything, you'll never go to college, then you're not going to go. But when people open up and see the world for what it is, we've been through all this addiction and alcoholism, and we've been successful parts of the time. When we go into our new life, this is for me personally, nothing scared me anymore, Chris. I signed, a, I signed a, an office, uh, we had like six offices in, in Highland Park in the medical building, and I signed a 10-year deal for like 1.3 million. And, and we'll be all like, are you in, how do you sleep at night? And the answer was, what are they gonna do to me? Are they gonna take the office off? Big deal. You know, I lived on the streets, for, what are they gonna do? So we kind of run with this new life, and I have never known and this depends what success looks like for you for a start. You just might want to be the best dad in the world because you haven't seen your children for two years because you have an addiction, job done. But you can literally be as successful as you want to be. If, if money is your success, there's no reason. We've had so much self-belief in the past. Once the, once the uh, basal ganglia, which is our repetition, strength and confirms in the mind, about 10 to the hour, if it's a clock, we self-sabotage for no reason. Once we repair that, we go stronger and stronger and stronger. Every single person in my organization, whether it be in England, France, Spain, Switzerland, uh, all are recovered alcoholics or addicts, best people in the world. Just give them a chance. They, they really are loyal and, and just amazing people. Very much so. On that note, you know this as well as I, the crack cocaine epidemic reared its ugly head in California during the 80s and the 90s. What do we have today? Fentanyl. Even worse, men are the most likely to develop substance use disorder. 11.5% of men and boys as young as the age of 12. Scary, isn't it? 12 years old. Now, to my experience, this is a twofold problem. Origin of trauma, you highlighted it, and bureaucratic bungling in terms of namely being overprescribed. Please tell me I'm wrong. 
No, you're right, Chris. You're right. I've got nothing to add to that. You are perfectly right. You know, when we look at our society as a whole, let's look at the fentanyl deal for a, for a second. When my mom had cancer and when she gave birth and all the bad stuff she went through to give her morphine, what's wrong with morphine today? Have we changed our pain tolerance? Have we got tougher? No. These, the, the drugs are made for financial reasons. That's all. So when we're giving our children uh, Adderall and Vyvanse from the age of 12, 13, 14, we're giving them stimulants, we're giving them uh, amphetamine salts is all they are. And then they take the first hit of fentanyl, all bets are off. Sexually. And there's loads of stuff to be said about that, either good and bad government or public. There's there's loads of twist in there as well. But I don't think I don't even think we've seen one percent of the fallout from that, Chris. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not even one percent. And I'm frightened because kids are involved in this, uh, don't? Yeah. So you have to you have to realize, or you have to ask the question: Is why are we allowing this to happen? One and and two, uh, who, who's who's monitoring this? Because I can tell you now categorically from my practices that 95% of people that come to us with a heroin addict problem started in the doctor's office. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Soccer moms, painkillers, guys, painkillers, mental depression, painkillers. Yeah, just that's, that, that's the first question we ask. Where did this all start? Well, the doctor, always the doctor, and one of my answers to that is the doctor doesn't have all the problems. First of all, God bless the doctor. He has nine minutes each to see us. Psychiatrists have four minutes to see us. But who's monitoring this? Who's, I mean, I don't mean like, uh, like if they've had 20 prescriptions in the same day. Who's monitoring these? Why does the pharmaceutical company run this country and run our, our medical fraternity? Why? Why are we allowing this? Now, Dr. Smith, who obviously can't take any cash from these players because that would be unlawful, suddenly finds himself driving brand new cars, going on holidays in yachts and stuff like that um, on behalf of the pharmaceutical companies. So say Vivance, which is, was the new drug on the market, competing against Adderall, surely never going to compete. But all of a sudden, when that becomes the flavor of the month and you've got seven minutes to see somebody, surely a quick description and out would be the answer. But what are we doing to our kids? Now, answer that, a couple of things. Social media, iPhones, iPads. We've lost, we've lost the art of communication. Then on top of that, we add um, COVID. I mean, isolation from another human being will send us insane. Death row. We were allowed to go in the real uh, prison over in Texas that executes people. And we're allowed to go under, under supervision and just ask questions on death row. And I would say that 90% of people that get to the chair or the needle are insane before they get there. Why? Because of the isolation. We're doing the oh, same yes. with France. Hey, listen, Dr. Rob, I've got 5,000 friends on Facebook. Uh, you're kind of plugged into the wall. I'm sorry, but you're plugged into the wall. That's not human interaction. So what, what, we're, what we're producing now is drug-addicted uh, teenagers who cannot connect with the world itself have no communication skills whatsoever and lack of general knowledge same room texting each other and, and lack of general knowledge <clears throat> yes yes but you mentioned something which is also a passion of mine studying look at all the infamous serial killers of our time ed gein gary ridgeway richard ramirez ted bundy one word that has them all in common, isolation. Yeah, Social exactly. ineptness, but bloody smart. Yes. <clears throat> Hitler. 
I mean, I hate to mention it, but listen. <laughs> I know he did some bad things. That way. We all know that. He's, we killed him twice over. We had him in our house. But, but how did he get 20 million people to follow him? And if you look at his past, it goes down to a couple of things. And one of them was isolation as a kid, abandonment. Correct. They all suffer from abandonment. I am intrigued. I've just got into it, actually, Chris. We'll have to talk offline in a couple of days. I've just got into serial killers and the minds behind the serial killers. And I know it diverts away from what we're doing as a company. But I'm intrigued because there are always signs. Always signs. But the general public don't know what they are, but psychologists, psychiatrists do. If they're worth the salt, they just see them signs. I mean, the biggest popular one is cruelty to animals, but there are a billion more before that that you see that we're always going to end up killing people or, God forbid, guys, if I upset you, my, my apologies, shooting schools up. It, yeah. It's never the kid, the popular kid is at the front of the class who's captain of the you know, the school football team. It's, it's always the guy everybody ignores. Isolation. And we need to stop that. Today's program is made possible by Jocko Fuel. For over 20 years, former Navy SEAL and acclaimed author and entrepreneur Jocko Willink has become a force to be reckoned with in the field of self-improvement. He was the unit leader of SEAL Team 3's task unit Bruiser and pioneered four disciplines of leadership based on his experiences as a military officer all which would become known as Extreme Ownership. Some of his best-known writings as an author have included the aforementioned title as well as the sequel Dichotomy of Leadership. Other writings include Leadership Strategy and Tactics and, of course, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Now you can partake in clean nutrition courtesy of Jocko Fuel. The company has an array of products in order to improve your daily performance. There's protein powders, protein drinks and shakes like that of Jocko Go, the ever-popular Jocko Milk, as well as multivitamins and supplements, which are all at your disposal to perform at your optimum best. The best part? They're clinically proven and contain nothing but natural herbs and ingredients. Our audience at the Apex Predator can now get 10% off their next purchase simply by using the promo code store.jockofuel.com forward slash Chris at checkout. Again, that's store.jockofuel.com forward slash Chris, an official partner of the CrossFit Games. Jocko Fuel. Hard work. Clean fuel. No excuses. to and I would like to use another example if you don't know about this please read it up I've always been firmly into redemption even the hardest heart can change and one example I'll use is Russell Cox who was known as Mad Dog Cox from Australia you know the name I do um, the infamous Australian bank robber what happened after that last big incident that occurred when uh, he and um he was known as the runner. I can see his face in front of me. Uh, shit, I can't remember. But in any event, after that last shooting incident, before he was sent into Grafton Jail, he admitted he was tired of running because he was running from his past and ultimately counseled fellow prisoners in Grafton Jail and in 2004 was granted parole, but changed completely. Complete 360. Why? 
because he had the possibility to. And again, it's this. <clears throat> Even yeah. a better example, Richard Berkowitz, son of Sam. Mm -hmm. After that big infamous killing spree in the 60s, sentenced to prison and ultimately got his life turned around. <clears throat> the first death row inmate to be granted parole writes a letter to the governor and says, please cancel my parole. I want to live out the rest of my sentence, but I'm going to use it to counsel fellow inmates. But that doesn't get covered by the news. No, oh, of course not. Yeah. Hey, hey. Of course not, because when somebody does something like that, disgraceful school or, or mass killing, you know, they're not interested in people getting well because that's not newsworthy. They're not interested in people getting well because that goes against the grain. You know, you trace back anybody, any serial killer, any, any school shooter, you know, any rapist, and it all begins in the house as learned behavior. So if it's a dysfunctional house, that's what we're taught. You know, if dad, you know, abuses animals and, and abuses mom and maybe stabbed her a couple of times or start, you hang around them people that are violent, then you will become violent. If you hang around nine depressed people, you will become the tenth. So we, we look at that learned behavior, which we've studied in depth, and, and you look at the correlation and it's mind blowing. But we see these guys, they go into prison, everyone forgets about them. But what about if you trace their past as one thing in common? Well, a couple of things, but one is the isolation, the loneliness, and the learned behavior as a child. So anything less than nurturing, again, is child abuse. And people don't like when I say that, but it's the truth with our studies. We'll stand up in any court and prove that to you, you know, but that's exactly what it is, but nobody wants to know. The big headline is Johnny shoots up school, Johnny gets arrested, Johnny goes to prison, and everyone's forgot about Johnny, and he's going to be there till he dies. There's a, there are a bunch of people like me and you out there that are going, huh, why did he do that? It's like, it's like people that hurt babies, you know, or, or kill young people or young babies. That's not normal. No, it's yeah. not. But why did they do that? Because they were obviously not of sound mind when they did it. So why aren't, I mean, it's horrible. Don't get me wrong, but, let, but let's look beyond that. Like, let's look beyond that. It's like, why did they do it? That's not normal behavior. But So why was the behavior not normal and the clues and the signs are always there? Absolutely. And I just came upon that name of that uh, accomplice who was caught with the, a mad dog, Richard Denning. Ah, yes. Now, let's get back to the present on a more positive note. You have done pioneering work. Tell me about some of the methods that you employ with the Rob Kelly Recovery Group and what has the success rate been since inception <clears throat> up until late? Well, we are great believers, of course, uh, in uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, and we're also big ones of brain spotting, and we're also uh, big uh, uh, somatic experience people. Uh, but listen, here's, here's what we found out with all these people, that uh, we wanted our success rate to boost because of all these tools that we use and experience that all our gallants have. But what we found out is with alcoholics and addicts, all people with trauma, I only take on four patients. We're so busy right now, I have nine, but seven of the nine are not alcoholic or drugs. They're struggling with life. So what we found with alcoholics and drugs and even people with childhood trauma, that when the family are involved, so that's a, that's a tool for us, get the family involved, not once a month to, to start you know, calling Billy. That he's, no, let's get the family working on their trauma. The success rate goes up by 42%, but literally overnight. 
Okay, so when we use these tools, it's a daily program. It's a repetition, strength, and confirms program. It's a highly routine. You've got to text in every two hours. If you miss it, we'll fire you. And we turn this around. And then if you want to start a business, we'll buy the website, the domain name. We'll get your business guys. If you, if you are successful and want to go back into more, we'll help build you that and the confidence and everything else. Our success rate with alcoholic and addicts and people with childhood trauma is 97%. Absolutely unheard of. 10, 10, 12, maybe 15% is the nearest. Going back, and this is why we have a step-down program between six and eight years, we're still in contact with them. Uh, once a month, they get a free call or Zoom with one of my guys or me for the rest of their lives. So we monitor this, guys. We're not just saying this because we use tools and we use different kinds of psychology to build them into a to the person that should always they always wanted to be. Because... Hold on to your hats, guys, and take a seat for a second. Alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism and the same with drug addiction. It's not the alcohol. It's the mind and brain and central nervous system pertaining to the childhood trauma as we go through social, economic. They do play a part. Now, alcoholism and addiction is not a behavioral problem, but behavior plays into this. So that's what we see going through is you have to understand what we are dealing with. Can I permanently stop drinking? Of course you can, even if you're a chronic alcoholic. And the only reason why I say there's no cure for alcoholism is because of our traits and our neural pathways. So there's no actual cure for alcoholism, but there's no cure for the common cold or food poisoning. You just do a few simple things every day will keep you out of that. And, and let me explain to the, to the viewers and listeners right now is, you know, how did I come across this? Well, I'm outside a liquor store, which is also a news agent in England, and it's 5.30 in the morning. I have a string vest on. A ye- I remember it now, a yellow string vest and a pair of red shorts and a pair of flip-flops. Hoping this guy who I quite know, he knows I'm an alcoholic, will open the door at 5.30 in the morning. Not supposed to stay awake until 10. It's snowing and I'm sweating profusely. My, my hands can't stop shaking. My, my voice can hardly talk. I'm going down and said the DTs real quick. Unless I get alcohol or get to the hospital, I'm going to die. He opens the door. And this was a life changing for me, even though I was still homeless. It wasn't my turning point. And I walked in shaking and I said, thanks. Thanks for opening the door, Jimmy. And I put the ten pound, and he put the bottle on the counter, and this was my reaction. <sighs> hey, buddy, I hope you have a great day today. Headaches went, sweat stopped, mood changed instantly, and I've not even opened the cap. I just grabbed the bottle, and it was right there. And then I thought, Oh my God, it's not the alcohol. And then I went through the rest of my life till today, trying to prove to people it's not the alcohol, but alcohol has an effect. But like I said before, biochemically, spiritually, um, and, uh, and, and your role biology plays into it uh, for the alcohol. So that's why alcoholics are different, but it's not the alcohol. So once you realize that and know how to, how to go around that and fix it and support and convince and brainwash and brain change and, and, and behavior uh, and getting these people knowing that they can actually do this, then, then it works 100%. Because if I tell you a lie now, guys, you might believe it, you might not. If I tell you a lie often enough, you're going to believe it. But guess what? If I tell you a lie real often enough, I'm going to start to believe it. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that, with that, I'm scared to ask this question, but I shouldn't be. But I shouldn't be. 
anonymity, anonymity is integral in namely 12-step recovery circles. However, do you believe increased visibility can help move the needle forward? If you're running from your past and you're hiding the fact that you suffer from alcoholism, you're running from your past. So if we're always in the past and we're trying to get new behavior, we're going to still act out all behavior. And guess what, guys? If you're acting out whole behavior, it's current behavior. So I'm a, a big advocacy for bringing this out, you know? If you're in a job that would fire you and everyone found out, great. Stay anonymous. I love you. I don't protect my anonymity, but I sure to hell would protect yours. But I think when you come free, and, it, and, and the correlation is kind of the same. Back in the 70s when people started admitting they were gay and told the parents, you're not running anymore. Stop running, guys. You know, I'm proud of my past, which looking past in the beginning with all the trauma, it was the worst thing I could ever do. But looking back, your past, as bad as it may be, going forward becomes your grace's asset. So you can't define yourself who you was, but you sure can define yourself who you are and going forward. So if you don't like the word alcoholic, yeah, I don't drink. I'm kind of allergic to that. I have a problem. Can't stop drinking. Ha, ha, ha. But when you come out, it's that relief of hiding and running because there's nothing different from hiding from bullies and running from bullies all your life with the same of the shame of alcoholism. It is a disease. Parts of the brain act we have no control over. The biochemical reaction we have no control over. The mental obsession, the allergic we have no control over. Same with drug addiction in different ways. We have no control over it. When your brain is telling you to drink and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Alcoholism and addiction should not be shameful words because I tell you what, guys, if you had cancer, you would tell everyone around you to let them know and they would all treat you like crazy and love you and everything. Alcoholism and addiction to a certain point is the same. We are very sick people. When you get well from that, it's like somebody getting well from cancer. Do they go back to the hospital every day, the cancer hospital, and sit with them patients? No. I mean, God bless them, send them cards, but you don't go back. So if you've recovered... I'm recovered in the Oxford English, um, AA, uh, Oxford group. Most of the guys was, uh, teach all the Oxford, educate in Oxford. So you look at the Oxford and you go, what's recovered? It's to gain one's health and state of mind. You know what it means? So I'm no longer sick and my mind is perfectly sane today. And I think we should be proud of that because one thing I've learned in my life, Chris, is that everybody knows somebody who suffers from drug or alcoholism problems. And if you don't, it's probably you. Mm. Well said. And then lastly, because I want to be respectful of your time, Doc, and you've been absolutely stellar like last time. What can men do today? But before I say that, I think perhaps, in my opinion, your biggest accomplishments, apart from all your academia, apart, apart from establishing your pioneering recovery group, you're a proud husband and a proud father. Men today need to start taking the helm. And what can they do to start building that million-dollar mindset I've heard you talking about? Guys, dialogue. Dialogue is the first thing. Start talking to somebody. Now, this goes for everything, guys. You are Everyone's a leader. Now, if you want to take that and run, you'll be successful. If you want to be the best dad, I think 
And again, going to upset some people. If so, if you have a sponsor, write a 10 step down, get over it. It's like men need to stop being men again. I think we've lost our way. I'm not talking about any other thing you're talking. You go ahead and do it. You can be a tree if you want to be a tree. I did as far as I don't give a shit. But listen, men need to stop being men because I don't care. Who's into women live or everything. Women want two things. They want love of a partner and protection. End of story. You know, and, and that's what we need to start and stand up and do it. You know, men stand up and start being men again. Women, successful CEOs, love it. But men start being men. Start being proud fathers. I don't care if you haven't seen your kid for two or three years. Do the right thing. You'll see him again. If you don't, text me. I'll send you $100,000. It's impossible. Stand up. Be proud. Be proud to be a man. Be proud to be head up, chest out when you walk. And the, the universe or God, Uncle Jimmy, whoever's up there, will reciprocate that. It will give you more responsibilities. People will start treating you with respect. We've lost respect when it comes to men because of the stuff we've been through over the last 10 or 20 years, and that's all good. But you know who I'm talking about. If you're at home listening or watching this, you're not watching this by mistake. Are you kidding me? You're watching this and listening because I'm calling you. And, and God, universe, Uncle Jimmy is calling you. To stand up and lead. And listen, if you're in if you're in a in a horrible hostel or you're homeless and you're listening to this and you think it's okay for him, you know, there's no way can I do that, you know, 214-600-0210 is my personal cell phone number. You call me. Yeah, you call me or text me first, to be honest, and I'll call you back. And listen, I'm gonna give you some reality. And it's my phone. It's not reception or my say This is my phone, that number. You text me and tell me you want to chat. I will give you a 10 or 15 minute, not going to cost you anything, 10 or 15 minute pep talk to convince you who you are that will change your life. And because it changes your life, it will change people around you's lives. And you know something, guys? If it doesn't change your life, I'll send you $100. Serious for wasting your time. You see, I'm the guy with his feet in the trenches 24 hours a day. I'm not the guy that preaches from his million-dollar house. Yeah, I have things. I have nice things. So what? We give half of it away. I'm the guy that, that left his kids because alcohol. I'm the guy that stabbed his wife. I'm the guy who was homeless with nowhere to go. I will always be that guy. So don't Google me, please, because you might get a little bit freaked out. It's me. It's a human being helping another human being. And the day I stop doing that is the day I will die. So call me, guys. Let's change the world. One, one father, one husband, one man at a time. And that is why I brought the man with the pythons on. I'd like to extend my gratitude to Dr. Rob Kelly from the Rob Kelly Recovery Group and plus also a versatile media personality. And I'm glad to have a friend in Dr. Kelly who has inspired me consistently every given day. Doc, thank you so much for your time. And I want to invite you, you the listener, you the viewer, to be like Dr. Rob Kelly, an unbreakable mind, an unstoppable force, an untamed spirit, a, an apex predator. Guys, thank you for tuning in. You've been an absolute sport. We'll see you again next time. God bless.